What's up, Fantasyland? We have a big one tonight. We're back, man. It's balling season. And if you're new to this channel, you got a whole season ahead of you. We're going to bring you up to date, keep you on par with all the latest ADPs. And tonight we tackle one of the biggest draft boards you're going to see. One of the first ones created this year by some of the sharpest players. And we got a back-to-back -back FFPC winner. He's back on the channel, Abib Skywalker 2000, guys. Let's get to it. Go district. <laughs> bleat a ball, bleat a ball, bleat a ball, bleat, bleat ball, and I bleat a ball, bleat. I ball, it's the ball, cause I bleed, 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 hey, bleeding I ball, defeated the eyes, didn't see him at all, JD in the pies, I needed it all, I bleeded a lie, you bleeded a lie, not bleeded a lie, and that's what a goat do, facts, let me show you, happen to know, dudes strapped and they don't do bad and they don't lose, make you wanna bleed, 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 it's the GOAT district boys giving you the business and no gimmicks the best ball drafts got me feeling like it's Christmas yeah. then it's Christmas all of a sudden and these riches came from nothing and I got this all from loving the district see I just drafted forget it I laugh at the critics yeah. they mad at the digits yeah. I clap back by listening yeah. see balling ain't a problem if you kick it with them off and I refresh the feed till autumn then I bleep 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 go Dan, we say it every year, we forget how good that walk-in by, by the man bun himself, Gabe. Shout out to uh, the lyrical genius. That thing is just, just gets me going. I mean, best balls get me going. This song gets me going. <laughs> I hope it got you guys going because we got a big one tonight. We got the Skywalker 2000, a back-to-back -back FFPC football guys champion. What is it? What is it? Three quarters of a mil? What would you take down, man? Abuse. <laughs> around that. Exactly, exactly. No, man, but you guys, you guys know him. If you watch the channel, if you follow high stakes, uh, well respected, one of the nicest guys in fantasy, and we love having you on. And tonight we go deep in the hard way, man. What is that draft to you? How excited are you to talk about it? And how fun was it? Oh man, it's it, it's a blast. I mean, you know, the first thing you know people tell me when when they when they find out I'm drafting in January is uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you you immediately get hit with the uh, DGen term, DGen, and yeah. you know you sometimes you just got to accept it. So uh, no, I love it. I mean, it's like you said, it's full of just some of the industry's sharpest minds in like all aspects, high stakes, redraft, dynasty. I mean, so. You know, it really is like the market setter for kind of heading into 2023. I mean, uh, I personally, anyway, am watching very closely at who's being taken where, you know, definitely, you know. I mean, some of it's going to be kind of an, uh, you know, a shocker uh, initially just because we're used to the 2022 ADP. Uh, but, you know, some of the guys going off the board in, in some of the rounds to me was a it was a real eye opener. And uh you know, it's one of those things that kind of just really makes you rethink, reevaluate, because you can't just pass it off. I mean, these are some very, very sharp players. And if they're taking a player at a certain point in the draft or fading a player, you know, you find a player that kind of falls to you around and then another round and you're wondering why is nobody taking this player? You got to really think hard. So I, I love this draft. Uh, and, you know, for me, it's definitely something that, you know, kind of 
acts as a basis for future drafts and, and kind of where I start to kind of think about uh, ranking players, at least on the, from a mental standpoint. So we're going to pop the board up. We're going to go through it. This is going to help you no matter what kind of best ball you're doing right now, no matter what format, what site, what platform you're on. This is going to give you an edge on, on the ADPs. Like uh, Abib talked about, you're going to see where guys are going. But before we, we set that, Dan, why don't you set the table on this draft before we get into the questions? Uh, Theo, you'll, you'll get to run there. But why don't we set the table? Who's in the draft? You know, maybe the format with the FFPC. Uh, and then a bit about what we're going to lean into tonight uh, with Theo. Yeah, okay. So this is uh, a 28-round draft. So it is, it's deep. Uh, defenses and kickers are included. Uh, tight ends are get a, a 1.5 point uh, per reception rather than one point reception. So it is a tight end premium. Uh, and then as far as the players, I mean, you know, basically what we have here is 12 people who do a lot of drafting over the course of the year. Uh, you know, these are, these are not people who, uh, you know, are necessarily doing a ton of writing, though some of them do. Uh, it's, it's more people who are just really skin in the game who are playing, uh, you know, day after day after day. Uh, you know, we, we, we've got, uh, you know, guys who've won, uh, a half million, uh, you know, of, of something or more. Uh, I don't, I don't want to say the word dollars cookies. because cookies, <laughs> yes, half a million uh, cookies. but we, 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 we have, we have multiple winners of, uh, six figure figure prizes in, uh, in this thing. So. Uh, that's, that's pretty wild as well. And, um, yeah, every, everybody in this thing just looks forward to it. It's like when, uh, you know, whenever we have a kind of a separate little chat that we keep going all year long for it. And, uh, when we say, Hey, is everybody ready? I mean, it's like 12, 12 hands go in the air instantly. So it's a, it's a lot of fun for that reason too. And I'm just going to slip in defending champ right here. Yes. Just going to slip that in, in <laughs> right. there. I, I, I didn't win with six digits, but, you know, the little victories, right? The little oh, victories. Man, you definitely deserve the roses for that. <laughs> yeah, that was yep. – it's anytime you can win a hard way league, it's, it's a yeah. – it's, it doesn't matter what the stakes are. It's, it's like I think we have a, a, healthy com a, a healthy competition amongst each other, and I think we also like bouncing ideas off of one another – um, so it, it's tough. It's tough to, you know, I, I won the, the, the football guys won a couple of years back and that was like, it was awesome. So I'm looking forward to uh, competing against you guys again this year. Um, and also keeping this chat going and, and, you know, trying to win as many leagues as we can separately. And I think this draft kind of, you know, sets the table for us to do that. Yeah. And I, you know, one of the things I really like too, is it's just, you know, as we're going through the draft, we get a good chance to kind of talk about, uh, you know, players and values and so forth in the in the chat that goes along with it. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's like when you see a, a pick that's really surprising, you know, people will will get in there and ask, you know, well, why'd you take him there or whatever? Um, you know, like one of the big ones, um, you know, I don't want to I don't I don't want to spoil it and dive too deep. But uh, somebody took Kyler Murray earlier than everybody else thought that he should have. And, you know, he's like, no, no, I think it's fine. And then he, you know, comes out later. He's like, oh, man, I didn't know he was hurt that bad, <laughs> you know. So sometimes sometimes it's those little, um, you know, pockets of, of, of uh, you know, darkness in your knowledge that uh, can trip you up in these things. But, but in his defense, he came back and kind of 
you know, pretty quickly at the QB position. And, and then, you know, a lot of that we're going to see tonight and, and we're going to talk about his roster construction, right? So you can kind of fill fill the gaps if you make a little mistake here and there with uh, some deeper uh, proper construction. Theo, you want to you wanna kick yeah, this I'm off? Uh... Yeah, so we this, this week started off, it was like a, you know, a fun week for fantasy. We have the Senior Bowl going. And then this morning, you know, it's like a, a bombshell drops at like 7.30 in the morning, East Coast time. <laughs> Um, and Tom Brady retires. And this time it wasn't, you know, an Adam Schefter or somebody breaking a story. It was him releasing a video, controlling the narrative. Um, and it seems to me, I, I, I personally think this time it sticks. Um, it's massive for fantasy. Um, what do you guys think is the biggest fallout for you fantasy-wise? What's the storyline that, that you're looking at here? Uh, maybe start with the Beeb. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think it has to be the skilled players uh, in Tampa. Um, I think one thing that I'm learning uh, is to avoid the trap of, okay, X player or X position player is gone. A huge void is filled, you know, and so someone's going to immediately take that over. And that's not always necessarily the case. So uh, so I think it take, I think there's a huge hit. I don't think you just sort of kind of replace Brady, even with him sort of kind of falling off uh, this year uh, compared to uh, years previously. So automatically the wide receivers take a hit. Um, and, and this year was, you know, we saw Mike Evans uh, really kind of fall from grace. Uh, he finished the year strong, but at that point it was a, uh, a little too late for most of us. Uh, Godwin kind of had a slow and steady year, and there was really not a third receiving option that was dependable. Uh, the backfield uh, was kind of split. Uh, so that offense just really was not what we wanted it to be. Uh, so for me, I don't necessarily want to automatically jump to the uh, idea that, you know, Godwin's undraftable or shouldn't be, you know, be drafted before sixth, seventh round or Evans is, you know, sort of kind of a thing of the past or that we can't even touch this backfield, obviously. Uh, I think Kyle Trask is probably not the answer. I mean, they may just go into tank mode. If they go into tank mode, I mean, to me, that, I mean, that's like a, I'll probably just avoid that offense altogether unless I'm getting something at extreme value. But, I, I would assume that they bring in someone, uh, someone who can at least support, hopefully, two receiving options, uh, and allow the running backs to, or whichever running back is there, you know, whether it's the committee or not, to at least be somewhat productive as an RB two. Uh, so it's a, it's a uh, really a a team that you're going to just have to monitor closely and see who comes in uh, to replace them or to replace Brady and fills in at the quarterback position. Uh, the market is, to me, not the greatest right now. I think it would take a lot for them to trade and, and the team, the way it's set up right now, I'm not necessarily sure that it makes a lot of sense. Really kind of a team in limbo right now. Uh, they can either, you know, go full tank mode or, you know, try and, you know, uh, play with what they got and, and, and try to be competitive. They are in a division where they can, you know, potentially, you know, have a losing record and still make the playoffs. So, uh, they may be looking at that and eyeing that as a as a as a way to not necessarily just completely throw twenty twenty three. Uh, it's an interesting one. I know that answer was like three sixty all over the you place. Know, I, think, <laughs> I think that there's it's a lot to take in. Dan, yeah. kind of what, maybe you could you your your immediate fantasy takeaway, and then continue what what Abib said with the with the quarterback position. What this kind of does moving forward with it. Well, first off, I mean I think. Brady really kind of missed an opportunity here to have done it tomorrow on Groundhog Day. Um, 
<laughs> Just saying. And, you know, fantasy-wise, I think that, you know, it, you know, as Abib kind of said, you know, the, the fallout is Brady is gone. And, you know, it, that, that's fallout in a couple ways, not only for Tampa, but it's just one less good quarterback in the league, um, you know, or at least very competent quarterback. You know, I, I'm not sure if you could call Brady exactly good this year, probably good, but not serviceable. great. Yeah, yeah. Serviceable. serviceable. And, you know, so, you know, there's a there's a vacuum there. And so hopefully somebody can, uh, you know, we can, we can get somebody to come in and take that place. But yeah, I think it's, um, I, I'm kind of with a beeb. I think that Tampa's got to be looking around at the rest of that division going, you know, if we can get some competent quarterback play, and, you know, we're right in the thick of this along with everybody else. And once you get to the playoffs, who knows? So, you know, they've still got a pretty decent defense. Um, you know, they've still got some pieces around there. So I'd, I'd have to think that they probably try to see what they can put together at quarterback, you know, see if they can get, um, you know, I don't know if they could get like a, you know, a car or, or somebody like that, but, uh, you know, maybe they can, you know, if Tannehill gets cast off, maybe they, uh, they take on Tannehill or something like that. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think that's probably the, the biggest thing that's going to happen is Tampa's got to pick their direction. And it's going to largely depend on what they can do at quarterback. You know, I, I, I think you guys missed the stack, the stack that I built in this in this draft that we're going to touch on, man. I got the Godwin A-Rod stack going. <laughs> I mean, to me, to me, he's the one that's the most affected by this because the demand level just went through the roof for a guy to come in, you know, and take a, a well-oiled machine that's maybe missing that, that captain, that driver, uh, to take him to the promised land. And like we said, Tampa, I mean... Yeah, they're kind of in the middle, but look at where they got to this year with a mediocre Brady, you know, 45-year-old Brady going through divorce and losing 50 gajillion dollars through crypto or whatever it was. So the offensive line was horrible. Like we said, Evans was was down. That offense was just out of sync all, all year, it seemed like. But they still made it to, you know, like you said, out of that division. So the opportunity should still be there next year. None of these teams should be quick enough to, to recover at, you know, the quarterback position quick enough to, I, I think, to, to compete if Tampa Bay handles this right. So the man level for Rodgers, who I never really thought was going to retire, goes up. So I think it reduces the chances of him retiring now because the money will probably be a little sweeter. Um, and then teams like, you know, Tampa, obviously, but the Giants – or the Jets, sorry, in Vegas, uh, you know, it makes them kind of rethink that's one less option for them to go out and get and, you know, put in for a year or two run. Yeah, I think that, J.D., you you, you hit the nail on the head. I think that for Rodgers, um, I, I truly believe he will be a New York Jet. I think that the that those wheels are in motion, and I think they're willing to make a, a big offer to Green Bay and something that will make mo- a lot of sense. But I think for, like, the – the secondary QBs, uh, Dan mentioned Tannehill, Carr, um, a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo is is now going to get him. I mean, I think it's a safe bet. I took Jimmy Garoppolo in this best ball draft. Um, I think it's a, a safer bet that he's a starting QB day one uh, now than it, than it was, you know, this morning because it's one less team, uh, you know, a one less QB filling, filling a, a starting spot with Brady out of the way. Um, and I also thought it was interesting uh, where – you know, Abib brings up the, the 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 pieces in our draft. Chris Godwin was wide receiver 16 drafted, and Mike Evans was wide receiver 19. So, you know, these are players that uh, you know, our 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 group of drafters were bullish on, 
Um, and I think that there's going to have to be a, at least a decent QB landing there to kind of keep those ADP, ADPs afloat. Um, and I wonder if they become a little more run-centric, if a guy like Rashad White might be a little bit more appealing. He was running back 26 in our draft. So, yeah. it's, so it's just wild. Uh, I think we'll know a lot more by, like, March 7th when you start having the, um, you know, the franchise tags and we have a better picture of the free agent landscape. But uh, it certainly uh, certainly gave us a little more to talk about on the pod tonight. So hat tip to uh, to Tom Brady for doing it tonight we had out of Bebon. He knew. He knew. 100%. I mean, Brady obviously listens to the GOAT district at first and 15, so he, he, he made, it, made it a priority. But um, Shout out, we have a lot to talk about with this draft tonight, guys. Um, and I think off the top, uh, we, we could basically we could put the board up. Basically, we had what we wide receiver heavy it's going to be this this season. Uh, and our draft was was really telling for that. We saw seven wide receivers, um, as well as Travis Kelsey, selected in the first round. And 13 of the first 24 picks were wide receivers. Do we we anticipate this being like a, a preview for, for what's to come? Um, maybe you guys could talk a little bit about the the aggressiveness towards wide receivers. Uh, maybe start with Abib on this one. Abib, do you think this is this is a... Um, you know, this is going to be typical for, you know, potentially the main event drafts we draft this summer. Do you think it's going to balance out slightly or do you, you see a lot of yellow in these first two rounds uh, continuing? No, I mean, I think we're looking pretty much at it, especially in uh, FFPC with uh, Kelsey and maybe even in non tight end premium leagues, Kelsey going in the first. I mean, there's a couple different things to kind of like uh, hash out here. So I think the general sentiment, uh, you know, after 2022 is that, you know, we've seen the kind of downfall of the RB, you know, that sort of kind of bell cow uh, back who could just really take the league by storm, put up 300 plus fantasy points in the PPR. And we're just starting to see a lot more running back, running back by committees, uh, specialized running backs, uh, teams wanted to sort of kind of take off the, uh, you know, take, take the load off a bit and not necessarily grind these guys uh, into the ground. Uh, and so I think, most of us are probably just thinking that, okay, and then we see guys like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and, you know, and Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup. These guys explode and then, but explode with consistency for the most part. Obviously, J.J. kind of let us down in the playoffs. But uh, for the most part, these guys are putting up really high numbers and doing it uh, very, very consistently. And you love that as a, as a fantasy player. Uh, so my initial thought was like, yeah, of course, we're going to see just a huge run of wide receiver ones in the first round. And this is just going to be the norm until the league adjusts and change. Uh, but I think when you kind of look at it a little bit, in a little bit more detail, th there's kind of, I guess, been like a disruption to like the natural order of things. You know, we typically we see these kind of running backs age out. So I think we were regardless, we were going to see, you know, players like uh, Derrick Henry, uh, Dalvin Cook start to kind of age out and fall in ADP anyway, you know, People are just, I think, becoming a little bit more wary and scared uh, and don't want to take on that risk with their first-round pick. And in any other year where we didn't have the injuries that we had, particularly to the rookie running backs, I think we would have seen guys like Brees Hall, uh, guys like Javante Williams replace them. So I think in all honesty, if those injuries didn't happen, there's a good chance that uh, – the boards would look very similar to the to, to what they looked like in years past with kind of an equal number of wide receivers and running back. 
But looking at this board, it's hard to like pick someone from the second round, running back or wide receiver, that you would kind of take in that first round. I mean, there may be a guy that you fall in love with and that you kind of, you know, they want to diversify. But to me, the first round, the guys that are going in the first round, at least currently, uh, these look like guys that are probably going to be based on ADP first rounders throughout the offseason, pending, you know, pending uh, an injury. Maybe Bijan, you know, uh, Bijan uh, ends up. Uh, you know, with the Ravens, and, and, and that kind of drops his stock a bit. But for the most part, I think it's kind of set. Yeah, I, I I I agree with you. And just to your point about the the wide receivers uh, being aggressively drafted, I think makes sense. We had nine players this past year at the wide receiver position hit 17 points per game or more, and only five running backs did that. So we're seeing the highest uh, scorers um, for the most part coming from the wide receiver position. We saw Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams. Uh, do it a year before Debo crushed it a year before Dan kind of your thoughts on, on this trend we're seeing and and, and you, you can see can see it continuing uh, throughout early best ball season yeah I think Abib put it pretty well and you know it's it's more of a, a vacuum created by the running backs that the wide receivers are just sort of sliding into fill uh, rather than you know anything else I you know I think there is a changing of the guard at running back uh, we are seeing a you know a big cohort age out that uh, was formerly very reliable very often in the first round and we just haven't seen enough new guys come in to replace them um, you know we don't have that confidence yet in uh, you know in a Brees Hall um, n- not even in a Ken Walker um, certainly not in uh, you know we're none of us apparently had a lot of confidence in Javante Williams. Uh, you know, and those are the guys you would normally expect to be up there. Ramondre Stevenson, we might have had that confidence in, but, you know, everybody's a little bit scared of Bell Belichick. Uh, DeAndre Swift, everybody thought might be one of those guys, you know, when we were talking in, uh, you know, in August of 2022, uh, I think a lot of us thought that DeAndre Swift would probably be a first round pick in uh, 2023, and he's not. So, you know, it's just, they're, there haven't been the running backs to to kind of jump back in and, and fill that void for the most part. JD, your thoughts on the early construction? Yeah, I mean, Regency bias. Regency bias is, that, is that the saying? Re, re, you guys know what I mean. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, people are going to go by what, what just happened, right? So the receivers, the, the thing is now with this changing of the guard that Dan's talking about and that gap, it's presenting opportunity, right? So for me, it's going to be whoever plays these backfields properly and taking advantage of that uncertainty. So like you can try to zig and zig when everyone's zagging the problem. And I remember we talked about this last year. And I think even years prior to that is receiver looks like it's, you know, rich and you could go on forever, but you get, you know, down into the double digits, early double digits, and it gets pretty rough right at the position you're, Whereas now you look at running back and this is pushing down a lot of these, Mm -hmm. you know, guys who were studs. So it's, you know, are you going to catch the falling knife and, you know, get Dalvin cook on his off season or are you getting an RB one in round five now? So, you know, that's kind of where the opportunity presents itself and whoever plays this right going into the season, obviously, and earlier in the season, obviously we're guessing even more, there's more uncertainty um is going to be is what makes this interesting and i think puts a lot up in the air right with uh, especially as we get toward to the rookie draft 
that's going to add even more uncertainty. Like Abib says, you know, Robinson Bichon goes to, to Baltimore. Uh, you've got a couple couple running backs that get hit there, uh, including the rookies. So it's going to be interesting how these these backfields play out. I think it's, again, going back to roster construction and being able to fill those gaps and fill those starting weeks. And the nice thing with running back is you can go deep. As long as you fill in your starting weeks, uh, it, it's easier to manage. Whereas receiver, you know, it, it's it's nice to get those those top end guys that can produce more regularly because it's it's more of a crapshoot at that position. Yeah, and I think that was that's a great great point about the recency bias. But I think that it's also, you know, people can say recency bias, but I think it's also a trend is your friend, and it's also information that we've learned this past season where we saw so many disappointments from the wide receiver position um, when teams decided to structurally wait and attack receiver in like that fourth, fifth, sixth round, um, where the year before, you know, we found guys like like Cup and, and Chase there. But this past year, you know, we saw Mooney, uh, Allen Robinson, Gabe Davis, Elijah Moore, Cortland Sutton, Allen Robinson, guys just crush your team when you took them at ADP. Um, and then we saw a couple of more disappointments with guys like, you know, the Michael Pittmans, the guys that we tried to push up to become those alpha wide receiver ones, and they just couldn't do it. So I think one of the safest uh, bets is taking one of these alpha wide receiver ones early. Um, it's it, they've been they've been hitting very well. You know, we've seen guys with like if you look at a Devonte Adams, for instance, where we've got question marks about his quarterback play this coming season. But the guy has been a 20 point per game scorer now, like three out of four years. I mean, it makes sense, uh, you know, what we're doing here aggressively with the wide receivers. And I do think it'll continue. Um, and then per, you know, the Travis Kelsey, Kelsey's a lock this year. We saw at, uh, FFPC where this is, we were in basically the first uh, best ball draft, but he's going in this top five range consistently. Um, Austin R. Martin, who's a great drafter, took him at three here. Um, and NFFC started their best balls as well, and that's not tight end premium, but Kelsey's living somewhere in that six overall to nine overall range. So he's a lock for that. So it's uh it's interesting. And I do think there's a chance at the end of the summer, if like Bijan doesn't land well, uh, that we could see even another another wide receiver. Um, and the board could be even more yellow when we get to like main event season. Um, so wanted to continue on here. When we look at the first two rounds, what was your favorite selection value-wise? And what was your least favorite selection? Maybe start with Dan on this one. What was your favorite pick and your least favorite pick, Dan? Yeah, value-wise, I mean, I you know, first round, I thought uh, Tyree Kill at eight uh, was really nice value. Uh, love that pick a lot. Also like Jonathan Taylor at 12 um, that Abib got a hold of. I thought those were great values there. In the second round, it was, I don't know, um, a little bit tougher value-wise. I guess, you know, I'd, it, for the second round, I'd probably say Saquon was maybe my my favorite pick out of that particular round. But, um, you know, it's. I thought the first round had a little bit of value. In the second round, it was like, to me, it was kind of flattish on uh, a, a lot of the way through. Um, and as, as far as... Uh, Players I didn't necessarily like. Uh, first round, Devontae Adams at number six. I thought that was a little bit of a reach given that we don't know what's going on quarterback-wise there. 
Uh, you know, he's another year older. Uh, you know, it could turn out just fine. I mean, Devonte Adams has been Devonte Adams for a while, so you know, I, you know, it, I would like to have exposure to him, but just maybe not at at one hundred and six. And then uh, in the second round, Najee Harris was probably my my least favorite value there. Abib. Uh, I'm going to go with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, I mean, honestly, like, you know, after I got through the first round or, or the second round, I mean, I looked at the board and I was like, man, this is scary. Because uh, kind of going to Dan's point, like rounds two and three, I mean, roll a dice. Like it, it, it is really flat. It's just like pick whoever. So if you don't end up with like one of these top guys who could just explode this year, and that's really all the first round is about. I mean, we, we don't know which of these guys are going to stay healthy, which of these guys is going to explode in the money week. But we do know that these guys, if healthy, are likely going to put up a lot of points. So you just want one. And for me, I'm actually, you know, and I'm going to be banking on recency bias with this. Jonathan Taylor is probably going to be my number one run, running back going into the year. Nice. I definitely obviously need to see what shakes out and what happens with the uh, head coaching and offensive staff. But the offensive line should not have played as poorly as it played last year uh that that team underwent a lot just from you know player personnel standpoint injury standpoint uh owner standpoint which probably precedes all and to me Jonathan Taylor is still very much a beast still very much in his prime so I love getting him in the 12th round but then after that again pending where Bijan ends up I don't really like anyone else and would not really want to take anyone else in the second round I was a big Barkley stand last year because I loved the value that we were getting. Uh, but he still scares me, you know. He still scares me, especially if he stays in, you know, in New York with uh, Daniel Jones because what, what, what defensive coordinator is really going to be scheming, you know, to stop Daniel Jones on RPOs and in the run game? They're just going to continue to, you know, to, to key in on Barkley and we're going to see Daniel Jones steal and eat a lot of these rushing TDs. So that very fact alone makes it very, very hard for me to take him in the first round. Second round, I think, is great, but first round is tough. Uh, and then value in the second round, like I said, I mean, I, I guess I would go with Barkley, but honestly, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I went, I went Mark Andrews because, I mean, if Lamar is able to stay healthy, come back healthy, we, we do have a new OC coming in. Uh, if the offense overall is more robust and clicks – uh, we could definitely see – I wouldn't be surprised if Mark Andrews is the tight end one at the end of 2023. No one would have been surprised at, in August if he ended 2022 as a tight end one. So this is not necessarily, you know, that I'm confident in that happening, but this is me kind of understanding that it's best ball, that there's uh, – you know, you got to take some risk. you got to follow some narratives. And when I look at the board as far as, okay, who could potentially, you know uh, – you know, propel my team or, or push my team over the top. It's getting a guy who has, at least in his, you know, realm of possibilities, tied in uh, one overall. So for the record, everyone, Abib's best value picks were his own pick in the first round. <laughs> and his pick in the round. For the record, I, I got to say, I, I, agree with, I agree with you, Dan and Abib, that Jonathan Taylor is the value of the first round. Um, basically he goes from, he was 22 points per game a year ago, the number one pick in, in so many leagues, uh, you know, and if he wasn't the number one pick, he was going in the top two, top three, uh, at the very least. So 
you know, he goes from 22 points per game down to 13 and a half points per game this year. All Abib needs him to do is hit that middle and be like a 17, 18 point per game uh, scorer. And he's crushed it from the from the, the 12 overall spot. Um, I do think that the 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 worst the worst pick um, was Devontae Adams in the first round only because I agree with Dan where I think Devontae Adams is a first rounder, but it's really hard to justify taking him over Tyreek Hill based on what we saw Tyreek Hill do this past season. And in my opinion, it's difficult to take Devontae Adams over CeeDee Lamb based on what we saw him do uh, for the second half of the season. And we have the quarterback spot in, in Dallas and Miami, way, way less question marks than we do in Vegas. So, you know, I think Devontae Adams is a first round pick. At the very least, I think he's a top 15 pick, but he's certainly not a guy I would take at six. Uh, and then in the second round, it's Najee Harris is, is definitely the the least sexy pick in the first two rounds. And he's also probably the, the worst value to me, he's a guy that should be going in that late third, early fourth. You could basically flip-flop Najee Harris and Ramondre Stevenson in this draft, and it would look better to me. Um, and then my second-round value was actually Amon Ross St. Brown, who I think profiles more like an alpha. You can make a case for Amon Ross St. Brown six spots earlier. Um, we, we have a lot of continuity in Detroit. Offensive coordinators coming back. The head coach is coming back. Jared Goff is back. Um, Jamison Williams, I think, is going to be a great compliment opposite Amon Ross St. Brown. And I think he's like an outside chance of leading the NFL in receptions next year. Um, he was 17 points per game this year. And to get him on a CD Lamb team, man, that drafter, that guy's that guy's sharp as shit, whoever took <laughs> Amon Ross St. Brown. I think that might be our own Dan Williamson. Uh, what about you, JD? What's your thoughts on the first two rounds? Yeah, you, you guys hit a lot of it, Taylor and, and Barkley. I'll push back a bit with the beep. Uh, Barkley, I mean, this guy gave you 295, 1300 plus rushing yards, 10 touchdowns in that offense. And, you, you know, you talk about Daniel Jones, look at the receivers the guy had. I mean, you got to think that they improved the weapons around. It sounds like they're already talking to Barkley about giving him a big contract and getting him back in New York. Uh, I mean, this guy's a beast, right? And if you look at where he's going, he's to give you that kind of production going into next year in an ascending offense that you would expect from, from where they are today, I think is a, a really nice value there. Um, I know you still like them, Abib, and it was just kind of nitpicking. I'm just kind of uh, pushing back a bit on your comment there. But I was going to ask you guys this. When you look at that first round, where's the uh, – let's let's put Chase and, and JJ in the same tier, that tier one elite tier. We talk about the, the next tier, and you bring up um, ASB – Theo, is that where that tier ends for you? Or because for me, that's kind of, you know, coming back, I went Etienne again. It was kind of, you know, the, the, the next tier for me was done. Where, where does it end for you guys? So for me, like to me, 103 is difficult this year. And I, th I think we'll have more clarity, but I do think that I really would much rather pick one, two, or give me somewhere from like the middle to the, the end back. of the first round, because I yeah. think that there's, yep. we're having to push that value up. Like, I hated being at four. I hated being at four. And I know Austin right. Austin struggled with 103. He was hoping that Chase would fall to him at 103. So it's, it's, it's tough right now. And I think we always have a little more clarity as we get through the summer. But like Austin Eckler, um, he had such a season. You have to think there is a little bit of, of regression on the way for Austin Eckler. And he could still crush it this year and have regression. So for him at, at 105, I just wouldn't be super comfortable doing that. 
um, after we took him this past year, like 106, to expect him to have back-to-back seasons of, of crushing it. Christian McCaffrey played 20 games this year, including the playoff games. Um, and he's certainly, you know, a fantastic player. We saw what he could do this past weekend. But I don't know. There's nobody I really want to push up to three. I think for me, my number three pick might be Tyreek Hill based on, you know, this, the we want one of these elite wide receivers. We've seen what he can do in a Mike McDaniel offense. Um, but again, I wouldn't be like, oh, my God, I got Tyreek Hill 103. I feel so amazing. So it, it's tough for me in terms of tiering it. But I do think, um, yeah, I think that that, that Amon Ross and Brown for me just gets pushed up slightly um, where, you know, he's closer to Diggs. I mean, he's only four spots behind, but he's he's close to Diggs for me right now uh, if I had to go head-to-head with those guys. Abib or Dan, your thoughts on tiers at this point? Are we thinking at that level yet? Yeah, I mean, I think – I, I think you guys nailed it that, um, you know, there's a, there's a tier very early on. And then I, I think it kind of runs through, you know, then the, the next really break I see is around where Saquon is, uh, middle of the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just kind of a, it, there's, there's a gradual decrease through all those players, but it's not anything, you know, there's not like a dramatic step down anywhere in there, you know, um, I, I will say if I had it to do again, um, Abib would have never gotten Jonathan Taylor. If I'd known that uh, Mike <laughs> McCarthy was going to be calling plays in Dallas, I would not have taken <laughs> CeeDee Lamb. But, um, you know, what's done is I, done. I was going to so. ask you guys how you, how you thought that affected Lamb because you got you to gotta think, like, you know, we'll talk about Schultz later, but you got to think, you know, the tight end was never really a big focus in his offenses, to, to my memory. I don't know if I'm wrong. You right. guys, yeah. You guys see Jerry Jones throwing – Jalen Tolbert under the bus at a <laughs> yeah. interview. I'm like, Jerry, Jerry is just unfiltered and Absolutely. just saying whatever the hell. It's like, pause, <laughs> Jerry. You don't need to throw Jalen Tolbert under the bus right now. Basically, they're like, what happened with the wide receiver two spot? And he's like, well, Jalen Tolbert was a big bust, and Michael Gallup couldn't get healthy. And then he's trying to walk back the Amari trade. But God, that was that was nuts. <laughs> yep, it's something else out there. I tell you. So, yeah, I, 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 I think that's, you know, that's that's kind of where the, the breaks are for me. You know, I I liked where I was sitting in the draft um, in a lot of ways. I felt like, you know, I was I was close enough to the middle that I was not missing out on runs. But I was also, you know, uh, I got in on a couple of tier breaks um, before things dried up. Uh, so that that felt good as well. Abib, Shout out where to the, are you at with the 103? If you would have gotten the 103 in this draft, who would you have taken? Uh, it would have been between Tyreek Hill and Cooper Cup. Um, I like the idea, idea of the Rams running it back. Uh, I think they learned a lot about themselves last year. And honestly, I, I, I kind of like how they like battled through it. I mean, they went through a lot. Uh, I also like how Akers finished the year. We'll see if he stay, sticks around with them or if they were just kind of showcasing him. But I think if Aker stays, it really provides some much-needed balance to that offense, and there's just no other wide receivers there. So Cup comes back healthy, which I think from the injury that he had, uh, I anticipate him to be that healthy. I probably would have taken him at three because I just love – he has both the upside and consistency. You just don't get much more upside and consistency than that. Uh, the only risk is obviously the injury. Uh, Tyreek Hill scares me a little bit. You know, I love Tyreek Hill in 2022, and so 
you know when you like love a guy and you draft him a lot and you end up watching a lot of their games and then you notice that why does he keep leaving the field you know why is he always questionable and and you, you go back and kind of look at his history you know i think it's you know someone kind of mentioned it before you know some of these guys who are just you know short very speedy these large quads they end up with like a lot of hamstrings i mean we see it in you saw it in like you know rondell moore uh rob you know wandell robinson and not you know obviously he's in a completely different tier uh but that that to me there's just a little bit worry there i'm also kind of worried about whether or not defenses defenses have caught up to the uh, offense you know we saw the offense really taper off and granted that was due to some qb injuries but even before then uh they were still uh struggling quite a bit so I hope that, you know, if that offense gets the running back and they can be balanced, uh, I think I'll probably be back in. But it'll be it, it's probably between Cup and uh, Tyreek Hill. We saw we mentioned Bijan Robinson went 10th overall in our draft. Uh, are you guys in or out on taking Bijan around the one two turn without knowing the draft landing spot? Uh, J.D. I, I don't hate him in the in the second round. I took him actually in the other draft we did together, Dan, I think it was a 35 or something. Um, yep. I took him in the second back end of the second. I think it was, I don't hate it. You look back historically, Barkley, we talked about Barkley tonight, finished third RB three, his rookie season, Zeke finished, you know, again, RB three, his rookie season. When we look at these new shiny rookies, guys, we only see ceiling. We only see upside. We only see the, their, their beautiful angles in the light. You know what I mean? And and that's how we see these guys. So right now, Bijan, I mean, before he gets his landing spot, this might be kind of the latest you get him, right? We've seen yeah. these rookies, once they land, fly up the charts. Um, people tell themselves a nice story. And, you know, yeah, maybe he goes to a bad spot and he falls and you get value there. Um, but I, last year, guys, remind me, I, I, I meant to check Hall. Did he, went after he went to the Jets, how did that happen? That movement? I feel like Theo, you, he was you know. Brees Hall. We were aggressive. People were aggressive on early drafting in terms of like the fourth round. Then he fell because of the, the Michael Carter narrative where he not so much an FFPC and never really overcorrected, but you saw in like NFFC and FFWC, there was a moment where you were getting Brees Hall late and people were actually scared of these reports about Michael Carter it was, it was ridiculous. And then you kind of compare it to the Jonathan Taylor. Um, people also got Jonathan Taylor his rookie year in like that fourth roundish, third roundish range um, because of the Marlon Mack stuff. Saquon and Zeke were different. Those guys were were like Teflon. Mm. People were super into yeah. them. And I think that it's people are more. It's more of a comparison with Bijan as a upcoming rookie with Saquon and and Zeke um as as in their rookie situations where you know people are super aggressive on how good they think he can be in the league uh the draft capital he's going to have his ability to catch the football as well so davis who was it that who was it that we had theo that was on was it hicks that, that put him up there so in that we have, tier we have uh, tonight's guest of a be you know has been on one of our high stakes round tables possibly two um but we had a number of them this season where we had multiple high stakes uh, hitters in the same podcast. And Chris actually predicted this early on. Uh, so shout out to Chris Ebel, who's, who's definitely gonna, gonna listen to this, a friend of the shows and a multiple time guest. He predicted Bijan Robinson when he did his, his top 10. 
Um, and he's, you know, an NFFC Hall of Famer. And if you see his name in a, in a draft room, you, you know you're in for a hard one. So um, to say the least. Uh, so I think like he's ahead of the curve. So you're seeing certain like certain like sharp players want to get their early Bijan right now, um, where 10 might look like it's a bargain um, if, you know, he finds his way into the top five, which I think is a possibility based on how lukewarm people are at the running back position right now. With Where, what what sends him there? What, what sends him there, guys? What landings? Okay, so Bijan Robinson is a Buffalo Bill. He's Bijan Robinson is a Philadelphia Eagle. To me, if he lands into one of these elite offenses, I think he could lead the entire NFL in, in touchdown runs. Um, and I think that there's also an argument made that if I use a top 10 capital on a guy, even if it's a team like, let's say, Atlanta, who just takes him straight up at eight, if somebody puts that high of a draft capital into a guy this talented, you are basically saying that this is my offensive game plan, that I'm going to showcase Bijan Robinson. He's going to get every opportunity to be a, a, a three down back. Um, and we're just going to roll with him starting from day one. So I think that like, I'm a little less landing spot averse, you know, and anybody who wants to listen to Matt Hicks and John Lobb, we've already had two of the best draft experts in, in, in all fantasy football in the district and those guys are talking about Bijan. I, I know that john lobb had him as one of his top five rated prospects of all time that's who it was that's who so it was it's like you know what are we doing here the guy's a stud um but i do think you know it just takes some stones to draft a guy um you know without a landing spot but i think that there's situations there's might be 10 landing spots where he looks like a bargain here um and I think that it's it's worth a dice roll. And I think even if the landing spot's bad, he's going to be a mid-second. So plus, 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 like our boy Davis Maddox said, it's just fun to draft them. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah. And it's, oh, it's yeah. early in the season. You want to have fun with your picks too, man. Dan, your your thoughts, you're usually the, the level-headed one here and, and less hyper than me. <laughs> That's not saying much. Right? I mean, I, 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 honestly, with Bijan, I think, you know, RB3 is drafting as absolute ceiling, um, you know, and – you can you can get them in the mid to late second round um, of these early drafts, which is you know. So I've I've got I've taken a Bijan share. I've even passed on a Bijan share, uh, kind of in the middle of the second because I like somebody better. Um, but I I think that's kind of where he belongs right now. Um, I would put him in at kind of more like RB six ish, something like that. Uh, makes the most sense to me it's still you know it still puts him up there early enough but not just insanely early like behind barkley yeah pretty much i would, I would say definitely barkley he's kind of equal with walker to me okay. um you know he'd be equal with breeze if breeze was healthy but he's not so you know but that's kind of the range i'd put him in sticking at the running back position here and starting starting with a beeb on this one we finally saw the third the third round we finally start seeing a, a a number of running backs go so in the first two rounds combined we had seven running backs go and then in the third third round we saw six total running backs half of the round was running backs uh who was your favorite um running back selection here abib i know that you took deandre swift so you can also touch on uh, we actually have a deandre swift question later so yeah. Basically, uh, your favorite running back here in the third round and the running back that would give you the most hesitation that you might say, hey, I, I really don't like him in that range. 
All right. I'm not going to choose my, my pick again. No, no, I'll be too. Hey, man, if you want to talk, <laughs> you can get 10 minutes of DeAndre Swift talk tonight if you'd like. <laughs> no, honestly, uh, yeah, if I had my pick of one running back in the third round, it would have been between Swift and Nick Chubb. So, I mean, kind of going back to your Bijan question, I know it's not sexy for most, but I, you know, I got Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley like very close, you know, close to closely together. I'm just looking at that Browns offense with a full offseason of Deshaun Watson, uh, guys who feel, you know, with that team could potentially be very competitive and potentially no Kareem Hunt. And I just think and look at this team uh, from a standpoint of, you know, who is your best offensive player? And we saw that at times this year where they just really fed Nick Chubb. And then we also saw some of this passing game work increase. Reminds me a, very, a, a lot of, you know, kind of Derrick Henry last year and the year before where he never caught passes and then he started catching passes and he just was just like, you know, blowing it, you know, just killing it on a weekly basis because two or three catches in 15 to 20 yards makes a huge difference, especially when it's a guy like Nick Chubb who even though he's not a pass-catching specialist, can take a screen 70 yards. So I love that value there. I think there's going to be a lot of just sort of kind of uh, going back again, the recency bias or just kind of negative views on Nick Chubb. But I'm just – this is a part, you know, uh, anticipating, you know, Kareem Hunt not resigning. Uh, I'm sure, you know, they'll bring in some other guys, you know, Jerome Ford or whoever, uh, who will help uh, fill some of the void. But I really just think this is just going to be uh, – Chubbs just like coming out here where they just give him the full workload. And if he can stay healthy, I think he can really surprise. And then DeAndre Swift is basically, you know, the same argument I made for Mark Andrews, I'll make for DeAndre Swift. Down year by all accounts. I mean, who knows what he said to, or what he did to have, you know, that coaching staff just sort of kind of, you know, kind of frown upon him. But you just see it. I mean, you see it. He's not the greatest in between a tackle, you know, uh, player, but He's a guy who is just so electric and such a game changer. You have to feed him the ball. And now that you have Jamison Williams and Amon Ross St. Brown, and again, this is, you know, 50-50 on whether or not Jamal Williams is there, but now you have you have a competent offense. You have an elite O-line. I mean, this, you know, his ceiling is RB1, you know. His ceiling really is RB1. And I think at the end of the third round, even if he gives me what he did, what he provided last year, you know, while healthy, uh, I, 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 you know, I'll take him at the end of the third round every day, all day. And Deuce Staley, the RB cock block of the of running back coaches, is now he's gone. Carolina. He's gone. Yes, they're in the way for for DeAndre Swift's season in uh yeah. in in Detroit. JD, who who's the your favorite running back pick of these six, and your least favorite? Yeah, I mean, Abib hit my favorite. He's he's been a top ten guys in four of his first five seasons. You're looking at fantasy points per per game and his rookie season, if I recall. I, I'm pretty sure he came in injured. No, like into. I'm pretty sure he came into his first season off of an injury or something like that. So, um, still gave you like top twenty four. So RB two, but um, Chubb definitely. All the reasons Abib gave: ascending offense, Watson getting a full off season there. Um, least favorite is Henry. Just. Again, you know, you, you don't want to doubt the king, but I'd rather be ahead of it. Tennessee was a bottom three yards per game last year, bottom five points per game. I like RBs, especially the expensive ones on good offenses. I don't know how good this offense is with Malik Willis or whoever's going to be back there. So until things change, uh, very low ownership with regards to Henry. Love Chubb. I don't hate uh, 
did you just ask a uh, running back position or any position? Running back position. position All right. That's, that's the answer. Dan, what do you think, brother? Yeah, I was, I, I was a little bit crushed when, uh, when uh, Noah Bloom put, took Chubb there. Um, I had them all queued up. You see, I, yeah. I had uh, Patrick Mahomes on auto pick. I, I had queued up two, uh, two players. They were Chubb and Mahomes, and uh, I got Mahomes. So I, I would have loved to have gotten Chubb uh, one pick later. I thought that was a great pick that uh, Noah made there. And I also like, I, I do like the Swift pick a lot as well, where he was. That was also in consideration for me uh, with my pick, uh, you know, where I took Mahomes, but ultimately decided to go with the quarterback there. Uh, least favorite, probably Mixon or Henry. Uh, you know, and, and I think both of them are pretty fairly priced here, so there's not really any running back that I hate in this round. Uh, you know, when you can get Mixon and Henry, you know, in the mid to late third round, that's that's pretty decent. So for me... I'll, I'll stick with you guys. I, I think that, that Chubb was a fantastic pick. Um, I think that there's a, there's a lot of people that were really down on the way that Deshaun Watson looked as a starting uh, QB in Cleveland. But I think with an offseason there, I think he's going to look better this season. I think that couple that's a couple of massages, he'll be good, man. You know, good. you know, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever the guy just do off the field. But, um, you know, on the field, Deshaun Watson, I, I think you saw his floor. Um, so I, I, am I'm, I'm slightly bullish on Cleveland Browns. Um, right now, I think, I think that I traded for Amari Cooper on a dynasty team recently. Um, I, I expect that he's going to continue his strong play. Um, and I do think Nick Chubb is interesting. Kareem Hunt, I do not think will be a Brown this season. He's a free agent. Um, so I think that you're going to have more of a, less of a, of a nuisance backup to him, um, where I think it's going to be, you know, more of a Dearness Johnson, uh, Jerome Ford type situation behind Chubb. Um, we had Chris Vaccaro um, on another on one of these high stakes roundtables, and he had brought up Chubb as a potential first rounder. Now, obviously, he didn't finish the season uh, well enough, and the Cleveland Browns offense struggled enough that people are not going to do that. But I think that Chubb could push his way into the second round uh, as we get into you know the money, the money, the money drafts late in the summer. And then for me, my I also love the Brees Hall pick especially in a 28-round uh, format, because I think Brees Hall has the opportunity to be close to 20-point-per-game scorer if he's healthy. Such a good receiver, uh, explosive runner. If he's able to get back on the field um, and just continue his strong play from his rookie season, I think that that's a great, great pick. My least favorite pick is Mixon. I think Mixon is a, is a potential cut candidate for Cincinnati. I don't think that, he, that, that it's a guarantee that he's going to survive this, the uh, – the offseason there. Um, he had five out of his last eight games. He has rushed for less than 40 yards uh, for the Bengals. So he's had a couple of good fantasy outbursts um, and a couple of uh, games where he had a number of receptions. But I don't think that that he's he's a lock to be a Cincinnati Bengal next year. And with how saturated the running back market is, I, I really don't want to take guys that are that are kind of risky there. Uh, so I would not have taken Mixon in the uh, in the third round. Um, Continuing on here, guys, let's pull this up. Uh, we saw quarterbacks start to fly off the board, starting with Dan's selection of Patrick Mahomes, which he just referenced, uh, followed up by a Beeb selection of Jalen Hurts at the 401. Dan, what prompted you to go QB there? Uh, you mentioned you had Nick Chubb ahead of Patrick Mahomes. Was there anybody else on the board that you saw 
that gave you, you know, hesitation that could have been a better value than Mahomes, or do you consider him to be the best pick you could have made right there? Yeah, I, I liked Mahomes there. I mean, you know, this is best ball, so, you know, having that super elite quarterback is a little bit less valuable than it is in a standalone league. But, uh, you know, even a best ball, it's like, you know, having that Patrick Mahomes, you know, it's a, you're generally getting 25-plus points uh, out of your quarterback position. And I didn't have to, you know, worry about quarterback for a long, long time after that. So, to me, that was... You know, it, it, it was just kind of a natural spot where I felt like things were kind of falling off a little bit after Nick Chubb. Uh, I really had thought and hoped that Chris Olave would make it back around to me. Wasn't sure of it because I knew Davis was going to be picking a couple times. And uh, we, we know how Davis likes his, run, his uh, wide receivers. So, um, you know, but I thought, I thought it might still be a little bit early for Olave. And I was definitely wrong about that. So... But I, w- I was happy to uh, get Mahomes there, and I was especially happy to see the big run of quarterbacks that came right after that because I felt like that helped push some talent back down uh, in, in other rounds. Absolutely. You, you really started the run there. And, Abib, you took Jalen Hurts uh, a few picks after, after Dan. Um, obviously, your position where you're drafting at the turn, uh, mm-hmm. you, you, you were smart to grab a QB. But interesting to me, you went Hurts over Allen. Um, is Hurts – your QB one this year, right now? Uh, no, I think uh, Mahomes is. Um, you know, Allen versus Hurts. You know, it, it's a toss up, honestly. Uh, I think you, I, I just felt like you know, let me grab the guy who's ascending versus a guy who's look you know who appears to be somewhat regressing. You know, whether that's the OC, whether that's you know, uh, just him needing maybe another true wide receiver, dependable wide receiver two or receiving option in general. I don't know. And then you kind of brought up the idea of them like really looking for a running back because that's really what that offense needs to me. Uh, I don't. I think it's less of an issue with actual Josh Allen and more of an issue that you can't you can't you know expect to beat elite teams in the playoffs being so dom you know one sided on the offensive side of the ball. Like you need to have some degree of balance. You need to at least be able to have the threat of a run. And we saw and heard rumors of them trying to go and get Christian McCaffrey uh, in the offseason, potential Saquon Barkley trade, things like that. So it would not put it past me for them to like either at least land one of these guys uh, on free agents or draft someone. And if that offense is more balanced and they actually have a running back who can actually, you know, punch it in on the one and the two yard line uh, and they actually become more balanced and, and ask Josh Allen to do less in the run game and in the pass game, and we may just see his production fall off. He's just been asked to do too much. Uh, so uh, I do think they will come to grips with the idea that we need to get a running back. And Jalen Hurts, he just has all the weapons in the world. Uh, so even if he regresses a bit on the ground game, I think there's still much more meat on the bone to attack it through the air. And as far as kind of like why I chose a quarterback here, <clears throat> This is more draft strategies than anything else, not really peer or rank related. You know, clearly I missed out on the elite run of wide receivers. Stephon Diggs was sort of kind of the tail end, and you kind of talking me in Amon Ra, but I don't, you know, I, I figured if I'm not going to have an elite wide receiver, let me make sure I have an elite running back, an elite tight end, and let me also make sure I have an elite quarterback. And then it also allows me, like Dan said, to only really have to dedicate or allocate one maybe one more, uh, you know, uh, draft pick on quarterback and really try and attack areas where I'm weak uh, and, and, and 
I think, rounds that are very, very important and critical where I'm able to get a couple guys who hopefully can provide me maybe five to six weeks of uh, spike production. So, Yeah, it's interesting. The Hertz, Hertz versus Allen is interesting, but we, we have the quality of the weapons in Philadelphia where you have A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, and Dallas Goddard, whereas Buffalo, we really want to see them add someone. Uh, we have more questions about the offensive line in Buffalo than we do Philadelphia. Um, and Jalen Hurts is, is just a baller. So it's, uh, I think that that's going to be one where maybe six weeks ago, I think people would have gone Allen, but I think that Hurts is obviously in the Super Bowl and, and doing some amazing things on the field. So that's interesting. And wh- another quarterback that was aggressively drafted here by our, our own JD was Trevor Lawrence. J- JD, you took Trevor Lawrence's QB6 overall. You took him ahead of my pick in Justin Herbert. You took him ahead of Lamar Jackson. Um, do you view T-Law as a value there or was a little bit structural based on um, your Travis Etienne pick? Yeah, there's a couple things. I do want to go back real quick to the Jalen Hurts pick with oh, it. Yeah. I, I do like strategically how you're also, because you're on the end and there's a lot of picks before it comes back to you, you see Mahomes going off the board you kind of increase the chances of QBs going off the board right after you, which it totally did because you see that that round is totally painted red. So I love using that strategy. It gives you, like you said, one of the top guys, but it really pushes value back to you uh, by other guys taking quarterbacks after. So I love that that pick there. And you have to be ballsy in this draft against these guys, Theo. So yeah, that's one reason. I'm, I'm you know, I have Etienne in, in the second round. Last year, I played around a lot with, you know, everybody was going after the wide receiver one, wide receiver two with, you know, with the quarterbacks, the tight ends. I was playing around a lot with running backs, especially um, three down backs, ca- uh, pass catching backs with the quarterback whenever I couldn't make it happen with the with the receiving positions. And I had a lot of success with that. So that was another reason I went Lawrence. And when I looked talking about tiers, I'm looking at these quarterbacks. For me, you've got the top four guys, which are in their own tier. And then it, and then it's kind of like the next tier. And for me, Lamar right now, too many questions, injuries, you know, who knows where he ends up, even if he ends up back in Baltimore, we thought he was getting a weapon there with Bateman, you know, there, there's just too much there with, with regards to, to Lamar. I think I can get similar, if not better in an ascending offense with Trevor Lawrence an ascending young quarterback. With Herbert, they didn't have Ke- Kellen Moore uh, there yet. So, you know, that, that offense didn't look great last year. They would have to do a lot, uh, in my opinion, with um, w- which they did, right, by adding, with, by adding the OC. Now you've got uh, this offense is actually, you know, enticing and exciting. So maybe my decision's a little different then. But, uh, again, I do like Lawrence there. I like pairing him up with Etienne. Um, and, yeah, those are my, my reasons for going – for Lawrence, uh, probably a little earlier than than a couple other guys would. Yeah, Fields and Lawrence right there, uh, going at like that five six. Um, I, I think that'll be interesting because I think that those guys are going to be bunched up with with Herbert and also Lamar Jackson, who went around later, depending on where he's QBing next year. If Lamar just stays in Baltimore and they improve the offensive weapons around him, and there's some continuity there with with him and, and Harbaugh. I could see him, you know, easily just going back to where he, we, we've used to been drafting him. Um, but I think that it's interesting with the Fields and Lawrence, where those guys were were so productive in the second half of the season, and you're starting to see them drafted at the five six. I was a little bit surprised that I got Herbert um, after after Lawrence. I would have had Herbert slightly ahead. Um, 
I didn't love having to take a QB there, but I do think that sometimes when a run is happening in a draft like this, you don't want to be left holding the bag. Um, so I could have probably pressed it and Billy probably would have passed on Herbert there, but I wasn't sure about it. So I, I went with Herbert there at the end of the round, but it is definitely interesting. And it's kind of like we've talked about for weeks, um, you know, with all kinds of high stakes players about how I actually think QB is going to go higher um, in, in, you know, in, in a lot of drafts, but in this draft, people were kind of passing on him. So I think Dan got great value on Mahomes. Abib got great value on Hertz. But it's like a gravitational pull to the other to the other managers to try to get those potential elite quarterbacks uh, after the truly elite ones go. So I thought that was super interesting. Another one-off position, the tight end position, um, we saw Kelsey go obviously at the 103, and then Abib follows up with Mark Andrews at 13 overall at the 201, followed up by T.J. Hawkinson a few picks later. We then saw six more tight ends be selected between round four and seven. So specifically looking at these rounds four through seven tight ends, who is the, the, the best value you guys see and kind of the riskiest pick? And maybe also a follow-up, who is your guys' tight end two right now? Um, starting with Dan on this one. Yeah, my tight end two is, is still Mark Andrews. Um, I, I think... Hawkinson's close, but I think if things break right for Andrews, um, he's just got more upside than anybody else. Uh, so that that's who I'd put in at tight end two. Um, as far as who I liked rounds four through seven, uh, you know, obviously I liked my my Kittle pick, or I wouldn't have made it. Uh, you know, I think that he's a perfect guy for best balls because he has those big spike weeks. Uh, you know, and I don't have to. I don't have to suffer through when, uh, you know, that, that week when the San Francisco offense runs through Ayuk and uh, McCaffrey, you know, instead of uh, running through Kittle or whatever. It's, it's, it's not a big deal. I can just use my other tight ends. So uh, I like that pick. I like the Kyle Pitts pick a lot, too. Um, honestly, if I, if I had seen, been thinking about Pitts, with my fifth round pick, I would have taken him there. But for whatever reason, I just was not looking at tight end, probably because I'd just taken Kittle, so I was really focused on a wide receiver. And then I was starting to look for my sixth round pick, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, man, Pitts was there. I could have taken him in the fifth, and I would I would have had that nice double tap at tight end that would have been really nice. But uh, I I don't know. I guess for the... The one I like the least, um, Dalton Schultz. I mean, I don't think it's a sure thing that he ends up back in Dallas. Um, you know, he, he's not a tight end that I think, you know, he's he's kind of one of these tight ends that's not like the others. The others all have, I think, some elite traits, whereas Dalton Schultz is just kind of, uh, you know, he's Dak Prescott's security blanket. Um, so I, I like him less, though I do like the way that uh, Muzio paired up Schultz and Prescott. That obviously makes sense. If one goes good, the other one probably does too. Abib, your your thoughts on rounds four through seven, and if you want to elaborate a little bit more on your Andrews pick, how close is T.J. Hawkinson to Andrews to you, or is it a sizable gap? Oh, it's a sizable gap. I mean, um, the the thing with Mark Andrews again, this is anticipating that whatever offensive coordinator comes in or scheme they run, that he still is the primary go-to option. And based off of the current weapons that they have, he is still the primary go-to option. I just think so much 
which is added when Lamar Jackson is back there that defenses have to deal with. When he's not back there, it's a lot easier to double team and bracket coverage him. So for me, if I'm going to be taking like a wide, you know, a tight end in the first two rounds, maybe even three rounds, to me they they got to be the 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 number one wide receiver option. Otherwise, T.J. Hawkinson honestly is no different than Evan Ingram for me, which kind of gets to my like next point of who you know, assuming that they re-sign him, and I, I think that they do. Uh, there's there's no reason to not to uh, continue that uh, connection that Trevor Lawrence had. This is nothing analytical. This is like purely just like you watching the games and you just kind of, but I saw it too many times when, you know, Trevor Lawrence, they would have like a three and out or, you know, the offense would stall and he goes back to the uh, bench or they're walking in halftime. And the one guy you, you see him talk to a lot is Evan Ingram. That to me, I just, you know, I just see that and I'm just like, okay. And then you see these games where he just like will zero in on them, you know, and Ingram runs these just sort of kind of just, you know, uh, high percentage routes. Uh, and so in a tight end premium, a guy who just on a given week can kind of give you eight to 10 catches, especially in best ball. And, and you get him in like towards the end of the sixth round. I really like that. And that's again, an offense that's ascending. Uh, he doesn't need to block cause he can't block. Uh, you've seen him block this year. I mean, it's laughable. So all he does is just run these like routes, these underneath routes. And he's like the perfect security blanket, but he still, you know, is athletic enough. Uh, to like really, you know, have some yak. I also like Pat Fryermuth too as well. You know, it's a bummer uh, that um, you know they didn't bring in another guy, uh, you know, another OC. But um, it's still there was a connection there. Th- that offense is really just going to come down to how good is the defense, and are they going to pass? Is there going to be enough pass volume for anyone to be reliable in that offense? And at this point, it's very, very scary to trust anybody, but. Late seventh round, uh, uh, or sorry, early or in the seventh round, I think Pat is, is a decent buy. And apologies to all of our Canadian uh, listeners uh, for Matt Canada's struggle. Struggle this <laughs> off Give it a bad name to Canada every time the Pittsburgh does you know horrible things on offense. But uh, for me, I, I love Dan's selection of George Kittle. To me, that's the value for me. Um, he's despite things not going his way. Uh, you know, having like adversity in terms of injuries, um, multiple QBs playing. He was Q- tight end four and tight end three overall the past two seasons. And we've also, especially for this sort of a format where it's 28 rounds, where you want those massive spike weeks, like George Kittle to me is, is uh, he's not Hawkinson or Andrews, but he's closer to them than you know, the two round difference that we see in this draft. So I, I love that pick by Dan. I thought he got great value there. That's the value pick for me. Uh, my least favorite pick is Dalton Schultz because like Dan said, Schultz is a free agent. Um, we've seen tight ends get these monster contracts. And I think that Jake Ferguson showed enough as the backup that Dallas is not going to overpay Schultz. So I think there's a chance that Schultz ends up as a starting tight end somewhere else. And I think he's not some elite talent. I think he's a guy that Dak Prescott loves the tight end position. I think Schultz fits in very well with the offense, but I don't think his game translates where he's going to be able to go to, you know, XYZ team and just crush it like he has been in terms of touchdown scoring. Uh, so he'd be one I'd be very worried about taking even the sixth round. He, and then he's the Austin Hooper, Hooper type. Bingo. Yeah. It's the Austin Hooper one. Like Austin Hooper gets the mega contract. We've seen so many of these tight ends get these mega deals. Uh, it's a position that teams are willing to spend on because they love two tight end sets. 
Um, and I think that Schultz will get the money, and I don't think Dallas is going to do it. So I think uh, that's that's one guy I'd be worried about. I think if he signs with another team, I think he's closer to like that Dawson Knox, Cole Komet uh, tier that we see in round nine rather than a six-round value. Uh, and then for me, I have Hawkinson uh, right there with Andrews. So I, I think, you know, it might be some recency bias, but I think that he'll be the number two target in Minnesota next year. I think that that's going to be an offense where they're going to be passing the ball a lot, and I think that he's an ascending talent there. We've seen Andrews have, have you know, great success in Baltimore, um, but I, I think that Hawkinson and him are so close to one another that I think I'll probably have a little more TJ Hawkinson this year. I do think that Andrews and Hawkinson are going to go a little bit, I'll say a little bit closer towards like the middle of the second um, in, in a lot of these drafts. So I'll be interested to see kind of where the ADP shakes out. JD, how about you? Your tight end one, I mean, excuse me, your tight end two, and then your favorite and least favorite uh, in rounds four through seven. Yeah, I guess I'm going to have a lot of my boy, George Kittle, the, the best football player uh, out there in the field. I mean, that the funnest guy anyways. Give me all the George Kittle. For me, he's up there with Andrews. He's definitely ahead of TJ Hawk for me. This guy's been a top three tight end for every single year, except for one year was a tight end for one, and his, the other year was his rookie year. It doesn't matter who they bring in, what the situation is. He's going to give you a top three performance every year as long as he's playing and healthy especially in that offense. I don't care who the quarterback is. Give me kill. Um, Waller is another interesting pick that I like there. Uh, potential top three tight end. He's done it before, depending on who they get that quarterback. I don't know if Stidham stays there or if they bring someone better in, but um, I don't hate Waller with the upside there. Pitts, I worry a bit. We haven't seen him. Um, he was injured, right? We haven't seen him with, with uh, Ritter yet, have we? No, we haven't seen Pitts with Pitts with Ritter. Yeah, we haven't seen him together. Uh, Pitts makes me nervous still. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I mean, he's he's. It's. I find like his his price is decent, but um, I like the guys around him right now. The guys we talked about, like Ingram, Fryermuth, a bit more uh, until we see what this offense looks like. Uh, you know, shapes up to be. This isn't dynasty for me. So for me, Pitts is a bit risky there. And Schultz, you guys talked about. Taking a step back here and looking at rounds four through eight, this has been a period of the draft where it's been extremely fruitful for uh, for fantasy drafters the last two seasons. We saw Cooper Cup, uh, Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel uh, Jamar Chase, a number of these guys end up in that range two seasons ago that absolutely crushed it, uh, especially Cooper Cup. And this past year, we saw Josh Jacobs uh, in that range of the draft to go along with guys like Tony Pollard, Devonta Smith, uh, and Amon Ross St. Brown. So we've seen these guys really crush ADPs in that four through eight range. We kind of call it the the league winner tier. Who is your favorite pick uh, that you see from rounds four through eight? Uh, guys kind of go around on this one, starting with Abib. A guy uh, that could crush ADP, Abib. Say what? A guy that could really crush ADP that you see in that four through eight range in this draft. Yeah, I think there's probably two. It's hard to kind of pick between them. Uh, Jerry Judy, uh, obviously, the Sean Payton. And I was kind of, you know, there were rumors already circulating. He seemed to kind of be the favorite there. And that's kind of what really, uh, you know, pushed me towards choosing in there as my wide receiver one or someone who could potentially finish as a wide receiver one. You know, I, you know, I was never a sudden guy until last year. I bought in. It's like, let's go. Yeah, I bought it in the narrative. 
And I just, you know, again, you, you buy in, you, you have, you know, a, a large percentage of these players. So you tend to just kind of really, you know, key in on them and watch their games closely. And I just didn't, I, I never saw a guy to me that just looks like a true alpha. He's got the body type, but there's just something about his game. It's not just the separation. Uh, it's also, you know, something with just kind of winning, uh, you know, key 50-50 balls, which is something that he was able to do, you know, with Drew Locke. You know, maybe that was just sort of kind of uh, that a one-year type deal. But Judy, we just saw when healthy towards the back end of the season, really kind of become what everyone thought or was hoping he could become. And so you also saw that connection. So we're all assuming that Russell Wilson is going to be back uh, in, in a new offense and currently without a running back that they're going to have, you know, to be able to lean on until Javante's healthy. Uh, I do like Judy as someone who could really, really break out, who could really, uh, you know, I could see Peyton coming in and, and making – you know, the offense sort of kind of centered around him and Javante as opposed to, you know, all these other guys uh, in the mix, you know, and obviously, you know, some uh, Dolchik mixed in. But the other guy is uh, Traylon Burks. Uh, this is a, uh, you know, a situation where the void, I think, is massive. And I think coming into his second year, he's ready to fill it. Uh, you know, there's really nobody else on that team. Uh, and given the draft capital that they spent, I do not see them going into next year uh, with uh, Malik Willis uh, as a quarterback. I mean, for them to bring in a guy off the street, Dobbs, uh, I don't, I don't want to say he wasn't, you know, he wasn't in their, uh, he wasn't in their camp. Uh, so for them to bring, or they're, they're, you know, on the practice squad, for them to bring him in, over Malik Willis just speaks volumes and they could easily re-sign Tannehill or give him, you know, kind of a, you know, a shorter year deal or bring someone else in. But I think, you know, I could see him, you know, really kind of taking off in this offense, hopefully, you know, having a healthy off season. Uh, he's one guy who could obviously be the wide receiver one on his team. And then the last guy, I didn't want to mention his name, but Kadarius Tony, this guy just can't stay healthy. I mean, if there's one guy who can't stay healthy, it's Kadarius Tony. But if he could stay healthy, uh, he's someone who also uh, has the potential to really kind of, you know, uh, you know, turn it loose and, and produce as a wide receiver one. It's way too early for fantasy Omerta time. Uh, you can speak truly <laughs> at this time of the year. Uh, Dan, you're, Dan you're, uh, you're a guy who could crush ADP out of this range or, or share a number of them if you see multiple guys. Yeah, so I mean, I I like Tony Pollard a lot uh, in the fourth round, sixteenth running back off the board. I think that's a great spot. I think uh, there's an excellent chance that he's going to finish off, uh, you know, as a a top ten running back, um, just based on the progression of things in Dallas. Um, so I like him a lot. I I will uh, second the trail on Burks uh, love from a B, but I. That was another one where I was I, I was really mad at Noah when uh, <laughs> when he took Burks right before my pick. Uh, I, I would have much rather had Burks than Addison uh, for sure there. So I, I think those are probably my top two in that range. Um, I I do like the Cam Akers pick. I was able to sneak around the corner um, in the eighth round. Um, I you know I thought he finished off really strong. It was like you know him and him and Sean McVay just could not see eye to eye for half the season, and you know it was just like a, a battle going on between them. And then all of a sudden, suddenly there was a truce and Cam Akers, 
Uh, I don't, you know, I, I think he started kind of understanding how the offense, you know, how he needed to hit gaps and stuff and how he needed to be uh, designing his, his own game to fit within the offense or something, but it, it really started meshing. And I think maybe McVeigh was starting to, uh, you know, kind of pull things a little bit his way too. So, uh, you know, I, I think Akers, if he sticks in, uh, in LA, uh, you know, he could potentially be a top 12 back. Yeah. For me, uh, I love Ramondre Stevenson, uh, where where Davis got him. Uh, Stevenson, I think, is is underrated right now in redraft and in dynasty. I think that there's a chance that the backups behind him this season are just going to be Pierre Strong and, and Kevin Harris. So I think Stevenson also will, will has a chance for a positive touchdown regression, where that offense I think is just going to be better in New England. So I love I love his value there. I think to me, I would I would take him, you know, over a couple of the guys we referenced around the head, um, and then I I really like my pick of Drake London. That's a guy that I'm kind of flag planting. Over the last five games of the season, uh, he averaged 9.6 targets. So they started, you know, treating him like the alpha that he is. He was a very young rookie this past season, um, and I think that you know he's got the top 10 draft capital. Uh, he's he looks the part and I think the coaching staff believes in him so I'm big on Drake London and I absolutely love the Traylon Burks pick I'm glad you know you guys were both on him and you guys obviously are right because Traylon Burks I think could have a really really big year um we talked about him as a dynasty asset um you know when we had Scott on Jax Falcone on and we're all on him as a dynasty buy uh if you can get him in dynasty I, I would definitely go for it um, and in redrafts, I think he could have a really big year. I think he's got top 15 wide receiver potential um, in the seventh round. And I think the like, you know, you think about the play he got injured on was a touchdown catch where the guy looked like Des Bryant uh, and he was taken out. So it was unfortunate when he went out, he was ascending. And I think if he would have just stayed healthy, he probably would have been in like that Mike Williams, uh, you know, Brandon Ayuk uh, portion of our draft rather than in the seventh round. JD, your 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 league winners out of this four through uh, eight eight range. Yeah, I mean, you guys touch on a lot of them just just for the sake of time and not repeating. Uh, looking at the eighth round, uh, Pat, myself, I, I love me some uh, Dotson. I, I just I'm pretty sure Dan was throwing him the ball at some point this season. He was injured. He missed like five games. Uh, but the guy just looks like the real deal. Put him, give him a real quarterback. And, uh, I think, I think this guy can be magic. He can definitely be a league winner. And then I look down at Deontay Johnson. I know he's, he's not anybody's favorite, but this dude's had, had over 144 targets the last three seasons. Um, he had zero touchdowns this year. I don't know if he's back in Pittsburgh. I don't know where he ends up, but he clearly commands targets. We've seen him be a, a top end um, receiver. I think that he could be good value there, depending on how that ends up. And, and I like a lot of the guys. The one, the one I didn't want to ask Gabe because we had someone in the chat and shout out to the chat. Uh, sorry, guys, we've been knee deep into this this draft board. So let's give you guys a bit of attention. We had a question for the champ asking about Gabe Davis uh, in the eighth round. How do you how do you feel about uh, the Buffalo wide receiver? Yeah, I didn't like that pick. Uh, <laughs> not that I didn't like that pick, but this is kind of where, you know, I put myself in a pigeonhole. I actually thought the J.K. Dobbins pick there was uh, one to me. I think we're going to see his ADP somewhere up in the fourth round. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like drafting running backs the first year off of ACL, especially the ACL injury that he had. Uh, but we saw towards the end of the year, he still wasn't 100%, but was starting to produce like an RB1 at times. And then I also saw a little bit of something as far as him being used a little bit more in the passing game. And I like how, I like his comments at the end of the year uh, where he was upset and pissed off that they didn't put the ball in his hands to really allow them to potentially pull off the upset against the Bengals. So, you know, he's a guy that's, like, very prideful. So I got to imagine this offseason is just going to be getting back to that potentially elite running back that he was. Maybe he's not 100% there, but even 90 to 95% of J.K. when he came into the league, I think is enough in this offense. And I'm not necessarily sure that they bring back Gus Edwards. I think that's uh, something that uh, I think uh, where we could really see, you know, J.K. take over the majority of this backfield. And then I'll keep going back again to them, you know, the offense changing, uh, that was really an offense that uh, did not utilize the running backs in the passing game at all, like at all. Uh, and J.K. can catch the ball. So who, we'll see who kind of comes in there. Uh, but that there, there's another uh, avenue for him to kind of uh, uh, improve. So I didn't answer your question. <laughs> but no, the no but I, I, I like the fact that you brought up Dobbins because I had Dobbins yeah. in that round. The other running back that you guys didn't talk about that I like in the seventh was Javante Williams. This guy was going, what, first, yeah. second round last last season. Now you've got an actual, you know, uh, you've got um, uh, Buddy going over there. Wow. Trumping. Yes, thank yeah. you very much. Uh, going over there to, to resurrect that that offense, hopefully, and Javante. As much as they don't seem to want to give him, you know, the rocks, uh, the rock all three downs, he should get enough uh, as long as he's back healthy. I think that's that's obviously why he's down there. But yeah. um, I think he could be value and, and kind of that league winner type of guy. But I, I do see Gabe as being able to provide me, ideally, five to six weeks of you know. Uh, double digit and when i say double digit i mean like 15 point plus fancy points so being able to slot him in and i didn't see a lot of guys past that but he also has that you know 20 to 30 point upside that we've seen uh and this is something that wasn't talked about a lot and i think we really take high ankles for granted especially when guys don't miss time or they only miss one game i mean particularly for a wide receiver and i'm not a gabe david i was never a gabe david stand so he's not one of the guys i drafted uh last year but uh, I definitely think that a lot of his play or lack of play uh, was a result of him just not being fully healthy from that from that high ankle sprain. So we may see a little bit of a bounce back, but who knows? You know, we'll see who they bring in or you know the you know Shakir the rookie uh, picks up. But at least he's a deep ball thread, and I think in best ball he's he's ideal uh, in the eighth round. So we're we're at a, a buck twenty-five. So pour one out, guys. I'm sorry we won't be able to ask my rounds 20, 20 through twenty-eight. I can like, talk, talk about DGENs. But I will say there's one question we should all touch on. Abib uh, selected DeAndre Swift at the end of the third round, uh, which is about two two rounds later than his his twenty twenty-one ADP. Um, you've already touched on him a bit, Abib. Uh, maybe share a little, a couple more, uh, if you have more thoughts on Swift, or if you have another bounce back candidate, a guy that disappointed at 2021 ADP, but you see as a guy who could really turn it around uh, in 2023. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I won't take up too much time, but honestly, that's literally what my draft was. This is basically playing against recency bias, playing against guys, whether due to injury or circumstance or situations. Uh, so really, I mean, that's pretty much my team. 
Uh, so just look at my entire team. Jonathan Taylor, I think, bounces back. Mark Andrews, I think, it has the potential to bounce back. DeAndre Swift, I do believe, bounces back. Jerry Judy, I think, you know, kind of really fulfills that, you know, uh, you know, that role that we saw him in is or uh, the uh, potentially becoming an elite wide receiver, or at least a low-end wide receiver one. Christian Kirk is the one pick that I would take back. Um, and then I like J.K. Dobbins to bounce back. Uh, so so that's just kind of reiterating what, you know, what we talked about before. But that's that's kind of how I approach drafts. That's kind of my strategy, uh, especially early on, is really trying to identify those guys that, you know, people uh, view kind of in a negative light. But uh, still have still have it in them to, to produce. Dan, any bounce back candidate for you or candidates? Well, first I gotta ask a Beeb a question since uh, since we're not gonna get down to the the late rounds. I I want to know, did it bother you even a little bit when I took Mechie? <laughs> Hell yes! Oh my god! <laughs> yes! Oh my god! You see and. And, oh, the Cooks pick was just like, nobody wanted to take Cooks. So I was like, all right, whatever. Nice round. Yep. So I was like, at least I'll get Mechie. You know, at least nobody's thinking about Mechie. And, yeah, you took that pick. That one, that one hurt. That one definitely hurt. <laughs> I, knew, I knew you were going to have your eye on him. And I knew <laughs> Hubbard probably was going to have his eye on him, too, at the, yeah. at the number one spot, helping out Muzio. So I was like, man, I got, I got guys at either end of the draft that I, I know are in on this guy. So I, I'm going to have yeah. to take him early. So I, I, I did that. But... Um, you know, I don't. I don't really have necessarily a bounce back guy. I'm just gonna give you the guy I think who is probably the most underappreciated in the draft. Um, he was drafted as wide receiver 30. Um, his last five seasons, he's finished as wide receiver 13, wide receiver 16, wide receiver 8, wide receiver 13, wide receiver 16. Um, he's never had a season with less than like 45 fantasy points over expectation, so he's always super efficient. One, Tyler Lockett. It's, you know, you're going to have Tyler Lockett being uh, disrespected in ADP for like five straight years, Dan. You're just going to get him all the way into the party. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it, it's just, it, it, yeah, it's, it, it's like every every time in a draft, he's there. And I'll say for me, a bounce-back guy, Deontay Johnson at wide receiver 42, um, I think that that's that's there's a chance that he'll kind of remind people a little bit. He was so unlucky in terms of touchdowns, but the targets were all there. Um, you know, this is a, a Mike Tomlin offense. Uh, we expect that that Pittsburgh offense is going to get a little bit better. And I think that like Deontay Johnson, despite having a season that was underwhelming, I think for him to go at wide receiver 42 uh, is just it, it's too low. Um, I also look at Hollywood Brown uh, as a guy in this draft. I think Hollywood, if you look at how he started the season um, as a focal point of that Arizona offense, um, the fact that DeAndre Hopkins most likely is moved, I think Hollywood could have a huge target share to start the season, much like he did this past year when he was a wide receiver one for the first you know six weeks or so of the season before his injury. But there's a, a tremendous amount of guys that uh, I see that could bounce back. Um, again, we'll have a little more clarity as we get into the summer. JD, do you have any fun bounce back guys that you see on the board? I know. Yeah, you I already mentioned. I already mentioned, that, and I think that was that was sharp. I already mentioned Darren Waller. Just you know, we're talking FFPC tight end premium. He's given you. I mean, this was an off season. He was injured for seven games, and he finished tight end ten uh, points per per game. And he, he's been a top 
you know, he's been top two, top five, top six. So I think second year in this offense uh, with a guy who made Gronk, Gronk, uh, you know, get a, a healthy Waller next year. I think he can be a top five, top, uh, top tier tight end. We have anything else? Is that it? Uh, All right. Yeah. All right. Habib. We got to get a beat back this summer. Habib, so I, I have to, I have to tell you every time you're on, like, honestly, I, there's two, sh two shows on YouTube that I love seeing on a Saturday morning when I come in my office to do like my stretches and everything yeah. is, is, is your show especially. So why don't you tell the peep, uh, the peeps when they can expect the next epi, maybe give them an idea of how it's going to roll this off season, if at all, and anything else you want to share before we close this out. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We do. We definitely plan on being back for season three, uh, back better than ever, uh, and uh, our uh, esteemed uh, 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 Christopher Henderson, uh, the the producer, uh, uh, the guy who really kind of brings everything together, actually, you know, took down his first FFPC championship uh, in football, guys. So now he's got a medal. So he joked about it today, but yes, he's going to have a walk-in. We got a new video coming. Uh, but yeah, no, we, we plan on being back uh, sometime around draft season. Uh, and we'll you know definitely be dropping probably weekly episodes throughout the uh, offseason. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Uh, we're going to switch it up a little bit this year. Uh, we'll kind of you know let you guys in on that a little bit later. But we're excited. I mean, just like you guys, we love talking football. Uh, and I love being on the GO District. I mean, you guys are the industry best and leaders. I, I just keep telling people, if you really want to kind of get into, you know, things, you know, even if you're just doing, you know, your home leagues, but if you want to kind of branch out into anything, subscribe to GO District. They got you taken care of. They got you covered. Uh, and I listen, I, you know, I listen to everybody. And this is not just sort of kind of father. I mean, I listen to everybody, but no one does it like you guys, the content, the you know the talent that you guys bring on i mean it's just uh you know an abundance of knowledge and it's something that you can apply to just so many different formats so you know love you guys and you know definitely uh keep putting out just uh fire content appreciate that abib we're, we're i'm so i'm so clipping that and using that right there <laughs> <laughs> as a, as a promo video that was dude you're you're awesome and coming from you we yeah. we uh that's that's flattering man we appreciate that big time guys check out first and 15 honestly one of one of my favorites deal monster shows in in the rearview mirror with a couple monsters we talked rookies we we launched our first dynasty show uh dynasty trade market what do we have coming up tomorrow brother so tomorrow at one o'clock, we're going to continue reviewing this draft board. We're also going to look at some potential ADP risers. So if you enjoyed today's show, you're going to really enjoy tomorrow as well. Uh, we have Billy Muzio and Davis Maddock, two guys we competed against in, in the draft. Um, they're both going to be on at one o'clock tomorrow. And then next week, uh, we'll have a few shows. Uh, Cody Carpentier is going to come in and give us a senior bowl review. Uh, he's in, in Mobile with, with Matt Kelly and a few other uh, guys. Uh, and we're going to get some, you know, uh, there's a lot happening right now. You know, if you listen to John Lobb, you listen to Matt Hicks, you're actually seeing uh, some of the guys they talked about. Roshan Johnson is absolutely blowing up in Mobile. So we're going to have to really pick Cody's brain on that one. Uh, and, yeah, we'll have a bunch of great shows uh, down the line. We have Pat Corain lined up for uh, 
the week after the Super Bowl. So we're, we're going to continue bringing you great guests like Abib uh, week in, week out in the district. For sure, for sure. Dan, you're, uh, you're, in, uh, you're in the beaches next week. I'm in Portugal. You're in St. Martin. Is that next week? Uh, not next week for me. I, I leave after, after the Super Bowl. So, yeah. All right. I'll, All right. I'll be... You'll find me Miami bound at the end of the month, fellas. Don't <laughs> yeah, worry. I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll be uh, three weeks in St. Martin. So Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's, uh, man, a- after three weeks, I don't know, man. I, my, my skin is so fair. I'm, I'm not sure if I'll survive, <laughs> but we'll see what we can do. I'm sure, I'm sure you'll manage there. Uh, again, <laughs> first, first world problems. First world problems. Right. Guys, get out there. Smash those best balls right now. Is the funnest time of the year. Get your dynasty trades in. Send out those proposals. Join us tomorrow. We got another big one. We'll check you all later. Go district. <laughs> Bleep a ball, bleep a ball, bleep a ball, bleep bleep ball, and I bleep a ball, bleep a ball, bleep a ball, 'cause I bleep bleep bleep, hey, bleeding a ball, defeated the ice and see him at all, JD in the pies, I needed it all, I bleeded a lie, you bleeded a lie, not bleeded a lie, and that's what a goat do. Facts, let me show you, happen to know, dudes drafting, they don't do bad and they don't lose, make you wanna bleep bleep bleep, it's the Go district boys giving you the business and no gimmicks. The best ball drafts got me feeling like it's Christmas. Yeah. Then it's Christmas all of a sudden, and these riches came from nothing. Whoa. And I got this all from loving the district. See, I just drafted, forget it. I laugh at the critics, yeah. they mad at the digits. Yeah. I clap back by listening. Yeah. See, balling ain't a problem if you kick it with them off. And I refresh the feet till autumn, then I bleep, 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 go. Fun show, guys. That was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good, man. man.